Coast to Coast AM, Connie Willis here on a Friday night. I guess it's sun Saturday to a few of you, a whole lot of you, actually. Uh, anyway, I'm enjoying my Friday night. Hope you guys are enjoying the music and and the entertainment and the fun and the learning and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And by the way, it's not really me talking. It's AI. Dun, dun, dun. So uh, if you'd like to catch me live, you can also on Coast, well, I'm sorry, wait a minute, I'm AI right now. You can go to <laughs> ConnieWillis.com. You'll see my shows, Blue Rock Talk, uh, Connie After Dark, uh, Connie Willis, the podcast, and we've got my Win Any Lottery book coming out soon. I'm excited about that, that uh, coming back out again. I'm just bringing it back out. I kind of closed it for a while, and then people were getting on my case saying, I, I need to, I'm good with the pendulum. I want to pick the winning numbers. These uh, lotteries are huge. And you know what? It's, it's very interesting. It's a tool that they use with Project Stargate, and it's all about uh, your subconscious is what is moving the pendulum, when you ask it certain questions, you know, instead of going yes or no, we just look for an answer for a number, a winning number. So it's all in the questioning. It's all in the platform. And I'll have that on the book. It's coming out within the next couple of days. I'm going to be bringing it back out again on Amazon. So watch for that win any lottery. Uh, Connie Willis here. So, uh, all righty, let's get back to open lines. Oh, a big shout out, by the way. I'm going to try to say this right. Birthday shout out going to Hapatia. D'Angelo from Kelly and me and Coast to Coast AM. Happy birthday to you. All right. Dr. Eric Hasseltine with us hanging in there. You can uh, catch that story about insomnia at psychologytoday.com. Look up Dr. Eric Hasseltine. And uh, Dr. Chris, your wife, is she still doing uh, psychology today too, right? Yes. And we compete because we know exactly how many viewers we have on each article. And so uh, we uh, see who gets more hits. And unfortunately, she's been kicking my butt. <laughs> it's that competition that keeps the romance alive and the two brains getting closer and closer together. I like that with the lips. I've gotten many comments already in emails about the lips and the brains and the tongue. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> in the article, I, if you ever took a psychology class in college, you saw the homunculus. It's the map of the body on the brain, and it has huge lips and huge tongue and huge hands, and every other part of the body is teeny. So it looks like this kind of monster. And in the article, I showed two of those huge lip monsters kissing each other. And it's, that is actually what goes on that's with perfect. the brain. It's not very romantic looking, but uh, hey, that's what's really going on. <laughs> that's true it's not but hey that is what's going on first time caller let's talk to sadie out of eugene oregon did i say is it oregon or oregon sadie sadie are you there are you hello we'll wait we'll give you a second because you've been waiting a while is she is Sadie? Did she fall asleep? She might be right on the phone, probably right next to her, and she's just snoozing away there. <laughs> well, went to sleep. If, if she's a Coast Insider, she'll hear it tomorrow and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. At least I didn't snore. All right, we'll go to wildcard line number one. See if we can't wake up Sadie a little bit there. Uh, wildcard line number one. Is this Jose trucking in Texas right now? You driving? Yes. Oh, be safe. <laughs> I pulled over just now. Oh, okay. Well, you are on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, 
I had a question maybe for the doctor. I lost my daughter to cancer recently. Oh, and, uh, I'm so sorry. I was just thinking, is there a way that you could have asked like an AI what chemo they should go and if it's real medicine or just experimental? Wow, I love that question. That is a great example of what AI is going to do. Uh, right now, the state-of-the-art in cancer treatment is to do what they call genomic or proteomic profiling, where they take the tumor and they look at its DNA and its proteins, and then they look at the patient's DNA, and they have a huge database. In fact, there's a company called Keras MPI that does this, that has an AI that matches the particulars of someone's tumor to the treatment. And uh, it is being done. It's not perfect yet, but it's part of what uh, this is one of Dr. Chris's uh, big things is personalized medicine. So an emphatic yes, that is, uh, if it's not now possible, it will soon be possible. And, again, I'm very sorry for your loss. I also lost someone to cancer, and uh, there's just no words for that. So I'm very sorry. Very true. Very true. Sorry as well. And I also agree. What a great question. I was curious about that myself of uh, giving all the symptoms, getting all the information to them and what uh, treatments they might suggest and medications. And then again, here we go again. Is it going to be Western medicine? Is it going to be, you know, you then then again, you have these questions. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess you I guess you could go for the answer of we want the Western medicine or just, you know, it'll be in categories. Yeah. Well, the, the Dr. Chris does a lot of Eastern medicine. She does a lot of acupuncture and uh, things like that. What do you think, Dr. Chris? Will you use AI to steer and target Eastern medicine? Yeah, I would definitely use AI. I mean, it depends what the symptom is. But if it's a back pain, for example, yes, I would I would use AI to um, tell what kind of therapy to use. Absolutely. I so, mean, Chris, let me search uh, already. You can have a lot of answers on ChatGPT with the symptoms. Absolutely. I think they're going to train AIs to look at individual patients, and based on zillions of exposures to patients, the AI is going to learn something just by the way the person walks, the color of the skin. Uh, you can see pulse rate uh, with a camera. You don't even have to use a stethoscope. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's right. And AI in medicine is going to be enormous. I, I would think so, too. I think so, too. Well, how's a way, what's a way we can, you know, us normal folk can do something with it, not just to help ourselves, but how can we get into the business part of it? Well, the simple thing is if you are a knowledge worker, even something like insurance or accounting or uh, writing technical manuals or any kind of where you need data, you need information. Um, get on one of these chat GPTs, and when you ever have a question about anything or you want to sound smarter than uh, you actually are, and I'm not going to say I'm using AI to do this radio show. I, I you are. You are. <laughs> but uh, – Anything you do, you can do better with an AI today. I mean, it really has made a game-changing advance. So what was... that's the number one thing. I have a friend. I'll give you an example. Uh, when a Disney executive that I worked with, 
left when I did it uh, during the COVID pandemic, and he now has invented this way to do graphic novels using ChatGPT and MidJourney. So what you do is you say, I want the graphic novel to be in the style of The Watchman, and I want it to be about a scorpion that um, falls in love with a snail <laughs> and has to, uh, you know, and set it in <laughs> 1922. And it will create the whole graphic novel for you. So and let the snail this. live. Huh? <laughs> and let the snail live, please, That's at the right. end. I say scorpion because Dr. Chris just uh, found one in our house. We live out in California. Oh. so And she, she wasn't happy about it. But anyhow, the no, point I'm trying to make her. is that people are doing this. And the number one point I want to make is the barrier to entry to doing astonishing things is coming down, down, down. And it's going to let individual people do things that it used to take whole companies to do. Interesting. And what did you bring to mind here? Anything you can do, I can do better. What, who, was, mm-hmm. who was that song? Who, who that did was, that? That was, I think, uh, My Fair Lady. Broadway, yeah. Okay, My Fair Lady. Well, ask, okay. you know, ask the AI. Ask the AI. I don't need to ask you. Which musical was that from? And it'll tell you. So it used to be Google it. Now it's what? AI it? Is that? Yeah. And by the way, I'm glad you asked that, Connie, because it's hugely different. When you Google something, it gives you a ton of returns and you have to sift through them to figure out that nugget of information you want. When you go to a BARD or a chat GPT, you just ask it and it does all that for you. You don't have to sift through a bunch of stuff. It's very terse. It gets right to the point, and it gives you exactly what you want. Well, I'm curious to ask it about Bigfoot, because if it tells me it's a mythical creature or it does not exist, I will know that that AI has failed because they're real, and a bunch of us know that. So I would be interested in uh, AI in it. Okay, well, um, I'm cranking up. You want to do it? Now, okay, you do it. You do, do it. that. Okay. Okay. So, what is the question you'd like to ask? Like, uh, tell me about Bigfoot, or is Bigfoot real? What would you want to ask it? What do you think is a better way to get the answer from them? Is Bigfoot real, or tell Let's me? Say, um, what's uh, uh, yeah? Hmm. yeah the history of Bigfoot? Bigfoot? No, you better not do that. Yeah, yeah. Is Bigfoot alive or something? Yeah, we don't well, want it to. Bigfoot uh, real? Let's just say. I'll just okay. I don't want it to example. say it's real in the imagination of people. You know what I mean? I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Ooh, mm, I'm going to edit here. Okay. Okay. There's one sentence that you wouldn't like, but then it goes on to say, oh. however, there have been many reports of sightings and encounters with Bigfoot over the years. Some no, don't edit. I'm not. Don't okay, edit. Okay. All right. It says there is no scientific evidence to support the existence of Bigfoot. However, there have been many reports of sightings and encounters with Bigfoot over the years. Some people believe that Bigfoot is a real creature, while others believe that the reports are just hoaxes or misidentifications of other animals. The most famous evidence for Bigfoot is the Patterson Gimlin, Gimlin film, film. Yeah. which was shot in 1967. The film shows a large, hairy creature walking through the woods. However, the film has been analyzed by experts, and there is debate about whether or not it is real. There have been many footprints that have been attributed to Bigfoot. However, that is also up in the air. In it doesn't have my name in there? It, no, there you don't see Connie Willis in there yet? No, no, no. <laughs> Let me uh, Ooh, so ask it. Do, that it's an interdimensional being. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask it if it's a relic of a lost species of ape. Ask it if it believes in Bigfoot. 
Oh, I already know what the answer is, but I'll ask. Let's see. Okay. Do you believe okay. in Bigfoot? Yeah, you sometimes get really weird answers when it gets personal with the AI. Like if you ask you, do you love me? Um, do you feel emotions? And so forth, you get weird answers. That's fun, though. Okay, do you believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> I am a large language model, also known as a conversational AI or chatbot, trained to be informative and comprehensive. I am trained with a massive amount of text data and blah, 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 blah. I do not have the ability to believe or disbelieve anything. I can only huh. process and understand information that is presented to me. I can also generate text that is consistent with the information that I have been trained on. Politically correct. Mm -hmm. By the way, it doesn't know to not end a sentence on a preposition. <laughs> I always hate to email you because I always mess up my commas and my periods and my parentheses and everything. And the whole time I'm like, oh, no, I know I'm doing this wrong. Because <laughs> no, I know me, you're I really good notice. at that. <laughs> you don't notice? Yes. Ultimately, whether or not you believe in Bigfoot is a matter of personal belief. Mm. That's the bottom line. Okay, wild card line number two. We'll talk with Cheryl out of Missouri. Hey there, Cheryl. Thanks for waiting. You are on the air. Hey, Connie. Hey, girl. And hi, hey. Dr. Um, yeah, it's cool being girl. Um, I'm wondering, will artificial intelligence be more proficient at being human and humanitarian than the human being? If a database oh. collates. You know, I yeah. love that question. Can mm -hmm. a human creation be more human than its creator? Um, I would say yes. I think so because, uh, and in fact, I'm seeing that uh, certainly an AI can be a lot more to the point than any human I've ever asked a question, including myself. Um, so I do think that's true because, for example, what the AI could do is it could look throughout history at those people who have the greatest warmth and empathy and come across that way and then combine all of their best traits into a single personality. So I would say yes. It is a good question. So um, before our break here, let's, let's ask, I know this is kind of an old question, but I'm just curious, uh, ask AI who shot J.R.? Shot Jr. Okay, for you Dallas fans, if you remember the big mystery, <laughs> that was like for like a whole summer, right, or or yeah. maybe longer. I can't remember. Yeah. The mystery of who shot Jr. Ewing was the subject of a major cliffhanger in the third season of American television series Dallas. Okay, let's see. It aired on November twenty first, nineteen eighty. The killer was revealed to be drumroll, please. Kristen Shepard, the sister of J.R.'s wife, Sue Ellen. Kristen had been having an affair with J.R., and she shot him in a fit of rage after he threatened to expose their relationship. Here's one. Let's see if we can get a future thing. Say, who's going to win the 2024 presidential election? Let's see what it does if, with a futuristic question. Well, uh... While I'm typing that, um, Dr. Chris and I have done a lot of work on that using Google search and uh, Wikipedia page views. We're about 75 to 80% accurate at predicting who's going to win an election. We called Trump as a winner in 2016 by looking at search interest on Google, and we published articles on that. Uh, 
showing that it's very powerful. So that I can do too, but that's a separate Excellent. thing. Okay, who will win the 2024 presidential election? Now, you can do this by voice too. I don't have that set up. So you can literally do it like talking to the computer on Star Trek. Okay. We've got 30 we go. seconds, so let's see what okay, your answer okay. hold is. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Who will win the 2024 presidential election? And the answer is it's still too early to say. Oh, and, and, and with the, the 10 seconds we got left, did you all already figure it out yet? Did you all already do that? Uh, right now, it looks like, according to search interests, it would be Trump. There are more people searching on him than anybody else. There you go. All right. So, all right. Open lines still happening. Dr. Eric Hasseltine still hanging in. I'm with you, too. Connie Willis here. Open lines, Coast to Coast AM. More to come. Coast to Coast AM. Connie Willis here. Started out on a Friday. It's now a Saturday, at least uh, where I'm at. And I guess where our guest is as well. Open lines happening. Connie here along with Dr. Eric Hasseltine. And uh, he's hung out with us to uh, answer questions. Got a lot more to go. So I am going to try to jump right in. Is there anything that you want to mention before we do get into any phone calls? Well, I think the main thing is just how excited I am. I've been around a while, and I've seen a lot of technology come and go, including iPhones, the web, and so forth. I think what's happening with generative AI right now is by far the most exciting thing I've ever seen. And you, yeah, you're, you're, uh, I, I knew to call you on this. I was like, oh, I want to know about artificial intelligence. You know what? I'm calling, I'm calling Eric and you are right there ready to go. So I was excited about that. Have you just, you know, I know you've been working with it for years and years and years a long time ago, you know, in, in your work and different things like that. But, uh, have you just, when did you get the most excited more recently or? Well, I got the most excited when I had some enduring problems with my magnetic x-ray and I literally asked it, you know, why do you get flux leakage through a permeable medium when you have less than saturated domains? I mean, that was literally the question I asked it and it told me, it just came right back and said, well, there's incomplete alignment of the domains, dummy. <laughs> And there was. <laughs> and, I mean, that was incredibly helpful to me in the work because I'm not a physicist. I'm kind of like an amateur physicist. It. But it's a real physicist. <laughs> and so I go, oh, okay. And so it saved me a lot of work. So, I mean, it's kind of selfish, but it helps me tremendously in my work. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Well, that would be good for, you know, researching anything. Wildcard line number three, apparently, uh, Jacob Wolfman. Trucking in Kentucky, Wolfman in Kentucky. How are you, Jacob? You're on the air. I am doing absolutely fantastic this morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question for both of the doctors. First, we'll start with the AI. Good morning, sir. I have dyslexia really bad, and I'm trying to figure out how to teach my AI, which is already on my laptop, through the Bing system and Windows 11, how to get it to understand uh, dyslexia and exactly what dyslexia is, because I'm trying to integrate it's right where uh, it can improve my spelling and improve my reading uh, ability. Uh, I have a slow ability to do this. It's not like I'm totally apt to it, but I'm not sure how to work with my AI. Because sometimes I'll spell something in phonetically, and mm -hmm. the conversation, it's, it's like I'm confusing the AI because of my spelling. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. First, let's talk about what dyslexia is. It's a disorder where the brain cannot translate the visual appearance of a word to the sound of the word. People without dyslexia, when they see a word, they can hear it in their head. Some people actually hear it like I do. Some people, like Dr. Chris, don't. But they know what the sound is. Well, dyslexics can't. So they can get easily confused by things that um, uh, sound the same but may be different words. So that's the basic disorder. Um, the way to address that might be the a if the AI knows that, it's going to know where you're going to have trouble. And so uh, it might be able to phonetically um, kind of read along with you and kind of like have – in, you know, an earphone that kind of tells you what the word is. Um, uh, I think that's a, another really good example of where AI can help. And so I think that um, someone would have to actually program the AI to specialize in looking at words the way a dyslexic would look at them. Um, but I don't know... Uh, if there's anything out there right now that would do that, but I think it's absolutely very doable. In fact, you've maybe just given me an idea for my next invention. Maybe I could hear the gears going. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's actually good. Yeah. Help a lot of people. My sister yeah. has dyslexia. Yeah, and, no, uh, I could hear the gears going in your mind. I knew it. I could tell. I was yeah, like, I'm just thinking about how one. I would do it. And I would just make an AI that looked at language the way a dyslexic does and then train it to uh, say the phoneme so that the, the, they could bridge that gap that the dyslexic's brain does not. Great idea. And I think, uh, Jacob, uh, you had another question? Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, now, I also uh, have, like, some uh, serious, serious back issues due to, due to stenosis of the spine and degenerative disc disease. And it all translates down into my legs. I used to work in fire and EMS, and now I'm driving truck because that's all I can do. Uh, I'm able to walk about 100 yards, uh, not 100 yards, but 100 feet before all of a sudden I have to sit down because my legs feel like they weigh about 1,000 pounds apiece through acupuncture. Um, would that be something that would help me out in the long run as far as uh, keeping the muscle apathy out of the legs? And uh, is there a process with the acupuncture that I can actually, like, get more of my function to my legs back. As far as the uh, mind medicine or using your, your mind to heal yourself or to stem the pain, I don't take any, I haven't taken any pain medications in over, uh, I had the surgery in 2009, and I would say uh, I stopped taking all the pain medication about 2010, 2011, right after I was over the healing process. And, you know, I've had my good days, I have my bad days, but... The heavy painkillers I don't have to take anymore because, well, I, I pretty much well control that just by not letting it be pain. And I do, I'm really curious about acupuncture and how it may help me in that fashion. Well, I can uh, answer that question, I guess. Yes, doctor. Well, uh, acupuncture does help a lot with pain. So I would say, yes, it's, it's really worth trying. Now, if there is a physical uh, something that a surgeon will need to uh, do something to alleviate a, a pressure point, then that would be surgery. 
But if a surgeon determines that there is nothing he can do for you, he or she, then acupuncture is really, really, usually works really, really well. I think it would work for the pain, but uh, in terms of the atrophy, if there is compression of the nerve due to stenosis, then I think that would have to be decompressed. Then it's surgery. Yeah. Yes. But, so I don't think it uh, could necessarily help with the uh, atrophy and the, and the weakness, but it could definitely help with the pain. Jacob, thank you for your call. And I got to say, I wonder why they call him Wolfman as a, as a, as a <laughs> nickname. Well, his voice was a little gravelly, Ma- kind of like Wolfman Jack. He was perfect, wasn't he? He was exactly Wolfman Jack. That was amazing. He could make, that's where you can make your money, Jacob, <laughs> doing, wolf- well, you know what? It could have been AI talking to us right there. Good questions. Thank you so much for that. Um, <laughs> he was amazing. So I'm so grateful he was- we have a real doctor. Sometimes she goes to great lengths to point out that there's only one physician in the family. There are two <laughs> doctors, but one physician. <laughs> I'd love to be a fly on the wall. But I am a neuroscientist. That's why I could answer the question about nerve compression. Yes. A great neuroscientist. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> um, Thomas, wildcard line number four out of Texas. You got a question, Thomas? You are on the air. Yes. Yes, I do, man. Great show. Thanks. Um, AI, what a concept. I mean, you know, we keep using words like uh, predictive and training and everything. But really, in my opinion, AI is just, I mean, it's a, it's a statistical algorithm on steroids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, that's, that's all it's really done. But um, I mean, AI is not going to conquer the world. It doesn't have a sentient thought or anything like that. But, my fear of AI is that AI—we're not training AI. AI is going to train us. It's going to teach us how to how to speak, how to talk, how to think. Because I mean, last time you called tech support for anything, what do you do? You scream at the 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 um, AVR and you go, you know, agent, person. You know, I mean, trying to get somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, I think AI is training us. We're not training it. Boy, you know, there's some truth to that. I mean, uh, with supervised learning, I I don't want to get too technical here, but there's in machine learning, there's supervised learning where a human or some other thing says, no, that's right, that's wrong. And then there's unsupervised learning, which is a fascinating area where the AI learns on its own. Um, and the caller's right that today a lot of those are very statistical, although they're getting to be less so. Um, for example, the genetic algorithms that were talked about earlier. But um, I think that's true. I mean, uh, I spent a lot of my early career in neuroscience training animals on various tasks, and it reminded me of that cartoon in the lab where two rats are talking and they point to a professor in a lab coat, and one rat says, see that guy? I got him trained. Every time I press a lever, he gets up and gives me a food pellet. <laughs> and so AI is like that too, right? Uh, so I think there's a lot of truth in, in what the caller is saying. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. My my concern is, okay, years back, 
I remember, and I had just moved to Philly. I was living in Rittenhouse Square, and I was trying to meet people. I was working up there at QVC at the time, and I was trying to meet some new people, have some new friends. And I would ask, oh, so where's the best Philly cheesesteak, you know, something uh, to start conversations and relationships. And they would all say, well, Google it. Uh, where can I go do that? Well, Google it. Where can I buy certain Google? I, I finally stopped and said, you guys, I'm trying to make friends here. Quit telling me to Google it. So I'm concerned about the AI. If we're going, if we can ask it anything, well, maybe we don't need to ask our friends this or that, you know, they can really cut down on the communication between us. Yeah. Well, and to the point that maybe people will forget how to think because the AI can do it for them. Just like you can use a calculator and people have forgotten how to do long division. So I, I think that's a certainty that some of that's going to happen. But at the same time, overall, you know, intuition tells you productivity is going to increase and so is the quality of our life. Wouldn't we all like to have a Radar O'Reilly who tells us what we need to do before we think to do it? No. I want to figure it out myself. <laughs> well, you're not as old as me. As you get older, you definitely appreciate that. You're the older one. Ha ha. Okay. Now, we're going to try to grab one more call really quickly here. Wildcard line number five, Mike, out of Louisville, Kentucky. Of course, we've got to. Hey, my hometown. Hey there, Mike. You're on the air. Hey, Connie. Uh, doc, doctors. Um, I was just curious <laughs> if y'all had written the or had read Ray Kurzweil's The Age of Spiritual Machines, When Computers Exceed Human Intelligence. It was written in 1999, and he also had a website, which may have been one of the first AIs, called The Cybernetic Poet, which I believe now is uh, Kurzweil's Cyber Art. Mm -hmm. I haven't read that book, but I have read his work on uh, the singularity, and he has Singularity University, and the singularity is that point in time where the computer gets to or surpasses uh, human intelligence. And, uh, you know, he, he's right that that's going to happen. And I think it's going to happen at an accelerating rate. There was also um, somebody wrote in, uh, Eric Frazier wrote in, and he said, uh, uh, he showed me something here. He said, written in 1974, this book not only shows video chat, but also shows how a supercomputer took over and enslaved a select population it uh, is called, it's on Amazon, it's Zero People by Gurney Williams, so yeah. uh, the third. So. Yeah, like I say, I think some of those are somewhat predictable. I don't think those things are what are going to happen. I think it's the unpredictable outliers, because that's always been true with new technology, that the big killer apps, as it were, turn out to be, uh, you know, the ones that you didn't see coming. Well, we are finished for the night. I want to thank you so much for being here throughout the entire time, as well as Dr. Chris Gilbert. Uh, anything you guys want to say before you, you head off to bed and get some sleep, maybe? Well, I With that insomnia thing? And <laughs> I want to thank your callers, because what fantastic questions. Yes. We're and good it's people. It's always fun hanging out with you, and you'll see you on Blue Rock. And, uh, you know, hope to see you again soon. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Anything else where people can find you and what to expect next from both of you guys? Oh, well, you can uh, find Dr. Chris at Heal the Mind to Heal the Body on psychologytoday.com. And she's written books on medicine, Dr. Chris's ABCs of Health, uh, The French Stethoscope, The Listening Cure. 
Um, and then the joint book we did together, Writing the Monster, Ways to Innovate in Big Bureaucracies. And um, we also have YouTube videos and so forth. You can catch both of us. Uh, but our new book is going to be on animals and how underdog animals can teach underdog humans how to come out on top. All right, Stay doctor. coming to a bookstore near you next year. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Chris. Thank you so much. Y'all take Bye-bye. care. Always uh-huh. fun. Thanks so uh-huh. much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Dr. Hasseltine.com. Dr. Hasseltine.com. That's where you can find him. Lots of fun. Always a good time. They're great people. They really are. And they are just always uh, interesting to talk to. And it's never a dull moment for sure. Yeah. So thank you uh, for showing up. And thanks all of you guys for showing up and listening. And I really do appreciate when you guys write me and say wonderful things. And and it's always good to hear. So you can always continue to do that. And hey, Contact Mr. George Nori and say it was another fun night on Friday night. That That's up to you guys. But uh, I really do appreciate all the, of you all that were here tonight. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Of course, be back here tomorrow night and enjoy uh, some more good, good, good stuff. We're, we're always having a good time here. So from the foothills of the Colorado Rockies, many thanks also going to the team that put this together. Julie Talbot, Bill May, Lisa Lyon, Tommy Danheiser, Dan Galani, Stephanie Smith, Mike Cosio. Hey there, Mike. He's with us right now. Lex Lonehood, Sean LeDesseur, Tim Banal, Gina Salvati, Donna Walker, also working with us tonight. Ryan Stacy as well on the website. Chris Burroughs, Ian Punnett, Adam's always bouncing around once in a while. Tom Nairns, Penny Girl, Ian Punnett. Did I say Ian Punnett? Ian Punnett gets it twice? Wait a minute. Okay, Ian Punnett, a fourth time. Lisa Gar, Richard Searitt, George Knapp, and also, of course, the man, the emperor, George Nori. That's the Coast to Coast AM team. And until we meet again, please join me, Blue Rock Talk, Connie After Dark, Connie Willis, the podcast, Win Any Lottery, coming soon. You watch for that. You can work with the pendulum. I know there's a lot of you out there. Just go to ConnieWillis.com and you'll get all the info. Until then, keep watching the night skies and continue with me to seek out the strange and uncover the unknown. For Coast to Coast AM, I'm Connie Willis. Good night.